Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Encountered yet rarely perceived. Now we see, hear, receive, and maintain this. May we all realize the Tathagata's true meaning. The Dharma, incomparably profound and infinitely subtle, is always encountered yet rarely perceived. Now we see, hear, receive, and maintain this. May we all realize the Tathagata's true meaning. All right. Please relax. Have a seat. Well, that was the um, verse to uh, open the sutras, to open the teachings. And our subject today, you can see here, is uh, I have CNN open on this old computer here because our subject is in the news, what's going on in society. And uh, I posted that uh, there's been a lot of debate recently uh, about uh, bringing uh, politics into the Zendo, which for various reasons I'm against. I'll explain that. But at the same time, there's a way to approach what's going on in society that is a sutra, that is a teaching. You know, if you're doing Zen right, nandamo okyo desu, nandamo sutra. Even if you have a toothpaste and you read the side of the toothpaste instructions, you know, if you approach it with a Zen mind, I tell you there's teaching there. There's teaching on staying clean and healthy, all kinds of things, right? Well, even in the news, there are teachings, not only things that Buddhism teaches us about the news, but things that the news teaches us. And as I said, I'm against politics in the Zendo, usually. I'll tell you why. I have very strong political views about what's going on in the world, like you do too. But there's something about in the Zendo, we leave aside all the problems, all the me and you, and even all the right and wrong. And we find something that's very good. We don't say, oh, I leave right and wrong. I don't care. It's exactly the opposite. When we say, in the Zendo, seiji wa soto. Nako wa seiji mote nai. There's something here that transcends politics, and it's good. And I hope that comes through in the talk today. And that good, though, sometimes changes our heart and how we have to look at the world. So some of these things are not politics, but it's what 
the Buddhist teachings say to our heart about maybe how we should look at some problems in the world. And I'm going to try to walk a very fine line to say that even if you leave politics at the door, and as I said, I have very strong political views. I vote this party or that party, and I think of this issue, that issue. I have my feelings. But here, when we look at it through the lens, the heart of the Buddhist teachings, maybe we see something more beyond it all and right at the heart of it all that's not politics, but also has something to say about these problems. And at the same time, these problems are sutra, and they teach us something about Buddhism and about how we are. So I want that to come clear to you. Sorry. It'll become clear, I hope. <laughs> okay. So let me let me show you uh, how this uh, works today. But first, I have to say a little bit about the traditional Buddhist views on social issues. 2,000 years ago, it was different. Um, first off, the world was kind of just the way it was, and there was nothing you could do. There was a king or emperor, and the people you have, you're not allowed to have opinion. And even if you're a priest, if you had opinion, they come and burn down your temple. It's very easy. So I cannot fault the old Buddhists, including the Buddha himself, for saying kind of, Politics, we have to kind of separate ourselves from the world. And the monks would go in the monastery and close the door, and in the monastery maybe try to make an ideal world inside the monastery or inside the Buddhist community because the outside world was too difficult. There were people suffering out there. There were poor people. There were wars. And all the Buddhist priests could sometimes do is say, yes, the world is just what we call samsara. That was the priest's attitude because the world was so difficult. You couldn't stop war. You couldn't deal with uh, poverty because there was little you could do. Um, just to give you an example, a few uh, blocks from here, uh, uh, like 100 meters, there's uh, Yakushin Yorai Temple. This was uh, the Medicine Buddha Temple, is uh, right 100 meters from my house here. Now there's no statue and it's just an old building. But 100 years ago, there's no doctor here. There's no national health insurance. If you live in this neighborhood, your child gets sick, you have one choice. 
There are four people. You go to the that building and you're bound and say, Buddha, please make my child better. Okay? There's no debate about national health insurance or issues about what drugs we use or how we treat our sick patients and all these debates we have now. You just went to the temple. And that was as far as Buddhism could come to help the common people. You know, maybe the sometimes the priest knew a little, you know, old-fashioned traditional medicine. And the priest many times was a doctor, you know, and would help the local people because they were tended to be a little more educated than the other people. But there was nothing the Buddhist could really do to change society. And also, they didn't have many of the problems we have now. Now we deal with pollution in the world. Well, you know, a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, you had garbage, you threw it in the ocean, no problem. It's a big ocean, you know. But now we really have to think about the environmental effects. So now Buddhism has changed, you know, because also for lay people, we have to think, what is our teaching saying? We can't just close the door. Actually, we're going to see. It's still an option. It's one interpretation. What we can look at all these problems is, ma, samsara, this world is just messed up, man, and Let's just pray or sit zazen. That is still an option. But the other option is we can say, look, our temple, Otera, Ima no Otera, Tatemono Dake Janai, it's the world is building. We can say the temple is not a building that we close the door. It's the whole world, you know, is our place of practice. So you're going to see that we can still close the door, and say the world is just messed up, man, or we can open the door wide, boundlessly, and approach these problems. So let me see if I can walk that fine line between looking at some real issues, but not being political. Okay, so President Trump, he went to Kita Chosen, he went to North Korea, because they have uh, nuclear missiles, and they were talking, and it didn't go so well. Okay, what should Trump do? I have no idea because I'm not expert in world politics, okay? And we're going to see even in the Buddhist community, we actually have real experts who, I'll tell you about that in a second, but I cannot tell you specifics because I'm just like you, I read the newspaper. So what does Buddhism have to say about that? First off, the strange Buddhist per perspective, there's a place where there's no America, no Japan, no Mexico, no North Korea. Buddhist, Buddhist country has no borders. There's no countries, there's no you and me, there's no friend and enemy. And here's the strange part. There's no missiles because there's no target. And there's no life and death, so you can't be killed. You've heard me talk about this so many times. So if you're new here, just take my word for it. We, we have a place in Buddhism where it's a non-issue. So in this place, beyond me and you and North Korea and South Korea and Japan and America and Mexico and Germany. 
is the world of uh, Buddha country. <laughs> okay? That's the first thing. And when we sit Zazen, we realize there is something more. Okay? Don't ever forget that. If the missile falls on your head, there's still something we believe beyond life and death. Okay? Just take my word for it. All right. Now, but let's get practical here. What does Buddhism say about what uh, Trump should do? I, I, I don't know. Actually, I think he did a good thing. I think talking to an enemy is a good thing. Okay? I'm not the expert. Some of the experts say, no, you really shouldn't talk because this reason, it, it, it makes uh, North Korea look uh, too powerful. I don't know. Okay? I don't know. I'm not an expert in uh, that kind of diplomacy, but I'll say... Killing is bad. War is bad. Okay? And I hope they work it out. I hope we work it out where there's somehow peace. That's the Buddhist teaching. Is it too simple? Yeah, it's too simple. Let's have a world without war and the world without enemies. And we don't know how to get there. And Buddha didn't know how to get there either. A famous story of the Buddha is, there was a king who was mad at the Shakya people. He was Shakyamuni from the Shakya tribe. And there was another king who, for various reasons, they had their own crazy stories back then about he said this to me and the king was offended, so he was going to destroy the Shakya people. And Buddha is from the Shakya people. He stands in the road. And the enemy king is coming, but he respects the Buddha. And Buddha says, stop. Actually, I think he was sitting Zazen, and the king was so impressed that he stopped and said, Buddha, what are you doing? And, he, and Buddha said, please don't do this. And the king said, well, for you, I'll turn back today. So he turned back. And it happened again. And the king turned back his armies. But the third time, the Buddha was sitting in the road, and the king kept going and destroyed the Shakya kingdom. Even the Buddha could not prevent a war for his own people. Even the Buddha didn't know what to do. And I don't know what to do, except the Buddha agreed and Dogen agreed and everyone agrees war is bad and killing is bad. What to do about specific things? You know, there's actually a Buddhist teacher, he's a lay teacher, from Upaya Zen Center, who is President Trump's nuclear policy advisor. He's respected. He was with the Bush administration, and he's with the Trump, he's an advisor to the Trump administration, and he's a Buddhist, what do you call it, uh, chaplain, Zen chaplain. And people said, wait a second, how can you be a Zen chaplain and you're the nuclear advisor to Trump, and he's actually not completely anti-nuclear? How can you do that? So he wrote the paper. I can put it online for you. You don't have to agree with it. But what he said was, oh, I'm anti-nuclear. I just think the reality of the world is you can't just throw the weapons away. We have to keep them to keep the other side from using them. And it better that I be the advisor here to try to keep some kind of balance than I'm just a dreamer and I say no nuclear weapons. 
You can disagree with him. He know he's a he knows about this policy. Okay, I don't. He says I'm not for killing. I'm trying to prevent killing. I'm not for war. I'm trying to prevent war by being a realist. He thinks that he says realist that we need nuclear weapons. Trump no nuclear advisor. nuclear. But in my heart, I hope we have a world without missiles. Okay? So the lesson is uh, just remember there's also a world without enemies and without you and me too. Okay, what else we got here in the news? Let's see. Looking for crazy uh, stories here. I'm just literally, a noose was found at the South Carolina Boeing plant. Maybe, you know, a noose are usually racist meaning. Somebody put that there. Uh, that's usually the implication of the story. Uh, without being political. Yeah, racism is bad. And threatening people with a noose uh, is bad, right? You don't have to be political to see that. Uh, may we be in a world where we stop with hate and division. Okay? Okay? Let me see what else we got here. Ah, global warming. President Trump is uh, appointing a fellow to lead the uh, global warming, I guess, agency or whatsoever, who's ever in charge, who doesn't believe in global warming. He's a professor actually from a university, I think it's uh, Yale. So he's a big intellectual professor, but he's actually a psychologist or historian, I forget. He's not really an expert in science, but he doesn't believe in global warming. So he's being appointed the head of global warming. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what to do about that? Okay, Buddhist the traditional answer number one was, uh, it wasn't a problem 2,000 years ago, so there's nothing you can really uh, say on the issue. And uh, there's also the traditional uh, answer of uh, some conservative Buddhisms that man that's our karma that's there's nothing we can do the world is uh, just messed up and uh, if the world falls apart we told you it was impermanent you know so Buddhists can't lose you see if the whole world falls apart we say yeah we told you right but in these days, maybe we're having a big effect on the environment. If you want to, it's, a, it's almost a choice. You can say that my practice is to clean the house where I live, right? You wash the dishes in the kitchen to keep it clean for your family. You can say, if you're a monk in a temple, we wash the floors of the temple or we dust the altar every day before you come. 
thus the altar, right? If you want to, you can say this whole world is our altar. Sekai Zen Taiwa If you want to, it's almost a choice in your heart. I'm not saying that Buddhism says you must do that. I'm saying that the traditional Buddhist answer was actually to kind of close the door of the monastery and build a beautiful world inside the monastery where they did cleaning, 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 clean the windows, clean the floors. But now if you want to, you can open the doors and clean the world. And I think there's good reasons to do that. And if you want to, you can make it Buddhist practice. You can pick up plastic on the beach as easily as you can pick up uh, leaves and sweep leaves in the garden of a Zen temple. As you wish. I'm not telling you that you have to. Of course, if we want to, the Buddha said all things are impermanent. Yeah. But he didn't say we, we, we should rush it. <laughs> you know, even though this body is impermanent, the Buddha said, you know, eat healthy food, get your exercise. Even in those days, they had medicine. If you're sick, take your medicine. So you, the body is impermanent, but don't make it too much of a hurry. Well, the same with our world. We can say... The world is impermanent. It's not going to be here in a billion, billion years. Sorry to tell you. If any of you were hoping to be here a billion, billion years from now, you got to find another place to live because this planet won't be here. Uh, sorry to break the news. But let's not rush things. And what about this fellow? He doesn't know about global warming and he's in charge. This is where it gets a little bit, uh, there's no traditional view. The Buddhist view might be that if we believe something, it almost becomes true sometimes. The world, a lot of it is created by our idea. You've heard me speak about this. You see, this bell, I ring. You're hearing it because it's going in your ear, turning to electric signal, goes up to the brain. The brain recreates the sound. There's actually just vibrations here, maybe, in the air. We don't know what. These are molecules. There's no bell here. Your eye is seeing light that goes up to the brain, and you've learned to interpret this as a bell. This is just metal. This is wood. Okay? Your brain saying bell. You understand? You give a name. You give an eye. You're, you're seeing, oh, it's a bell. But that's happening in your brain just as much as the sound needs your ear. So, yes, inside you create reality, at least part of it. I'm not saying there's nothing here. I'm saying there's no bell here. You understand? So your mind makes bell. Okay. Well, okay. So the mind maybe makes a global warming, right? Well, not completely. Maybe we still have to have respect for truth. 
That's also precept. Let's be truthful. So I'd rather know what the scientists actually say is the real situation for the world, not our imagination. Am I crossing over into politics? Maybe. But my mind cannot make global warming go away. So if global warming is a problem and the expert says, I want to respect the truth, I don't want to hear some guy who knows nothing about it, that he just believes in his heart, it's not there. Capiche? That's Italian. Capiche? You understand? You know, I got that from the Sopranos. It's an old uh, show. But anyway, Capiche means, do you got it? you understand? Okay. All right, uh, next uh, problem. This, uh, Kionin, I'm going to make you, uh, uh, I hope this is uh, not uh, completely unfair, but uh, you're going to speak now for all of us. Mexico, Central and South America, all Spanish-speaking uh, people around the world, I have put you on the spot here. Uh, okay, so we're building this wall. People want to uh, come in, and Trump and uh, many Americans want to keep them out. What to do? Uh, these problems existed in the Buddhist time. There was a lot of immigration and people fleeing hunger and invading other people and coming and sometimes peacefully and other times not peacefully and occupying lands. A lot of immigration in the past, a lot of suffering. And the Buddhist response was basically, sorry, this is samsara, nothing we can do. Close the door. But what do we do now? Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Kionin maybe to speak for a few minutes. Maybe he has uh, some views on this. But uh, my one view is, of course, in the Buddha world, there's no border. And there's no people to cross. And there's no suffering people. Okay? But that doesn't help all the suffering people in this world. Buddha no Okay? But in this world, uh, in the monastery, you see, the Buddhist rule was everybody should have just enough. That's where the name Oriyoki comes from, which means your vessel to hold the food that's just enough. I hope as a Buddhist that someday, wherever anybody is in the world, they have enough. So they don't need to run. There's no war, so they don't need to flee to safety. There's no hunger, so they don't need to cross the border. In the meantime, if people came pouring into a country, I can understand that the people there are going to say, if I found people pouring into my house, I would push people out of my house. It's so tough. I can't tell you that I completely know what to do. I just know that everybody should have enough. Okay? Now I'm shut up. Jonin, do you have anything to add to this? Thank you, Yundo. Yes, that is a very hot topic here. Um, and people is very divided in the way that there are those who understand why uh, President Trump is trying to build a wall. And of course, there are millions and millions of people who really are against it. Um, but like you said, uh, when I look at, when, when I watch or hear or read the news, um, it 
it's good for a practice to be mindful of our thoughts because it's very easy to engage in um, unwholesome um, thought. Uh, is that a word or I just created it? In in um, in violent thoughts. Um, because you, your natural reaction to things is to, to reject them uh, if you don't like what you're seeing or hearing. But as a Zen Buddhist, what I always see in the news, even if it's the um, most horrible news ever, is a chance for growth and chance for compassion. And if there's something I really... Um, believe is that compassion is action. Uh, we manifest compassion through uh, our actions and what we do. I can't go to the U.S. and prevent a wall from being built, but I can uh, try to make people understand here that we have to be united, to educate ourselves, to um, to learn to, to grow as a society, not only uh, here in Mexico, but all over the world. Because like you said, um, the better educated we are, the better jobs we will get in the future, the better politicians we will get in the future. So basically what I'm saying is that regardless of the problem we see in the news, oh, I, I, strongly, I strongly believe that uh, sudden change will not happen. Because if you put a politician, the politician is tainted already because he's human just like us. However, if you educate yourself and work with your kids and the young in, in your country towards compassion, towards um, non-divisive th thinking, to work as a team and to um, break down the most important walls of all, the inner walls, that those walls that we build in ourselves to to prevent us from seeing the diversity, the walls that prevent us from opening our hearts to everything and everyone, uh, maybe, maybe in the future, uh, we will have the first compassionate politicians or the, the first non-greed politicians. Let me... Uh, <laughs> Let me drop in here when you mention politicians, if I may. Uh, Sasaki Roshi said, the left is crazy. What did he say? The, the left is foolish, the right is foolish. And he, I think he would have also said the middle is foolish. So again, here, we're not going to say whether the left is right, the right is right, or the middle. But what Kyodin said is, we hope that we have politicians or leaders, we chant this for the wisdom and compassion of our world leaders, right, in our chant. We all agree that we hope we have leaders who are wise and compassionate. Okay. All right, now I would like to, to do this. I'd like to ask uh, you guys to toss out a story from the news, domestic or international, uh, and uh, we'll try to, to handle this through a Buddhist lens. Need a volunteer, some volunteers. Some story, anybody? Please, yes, what's in the news? The um, first bishop that got put in jail 
for sexual abuse. Yes. Okay, uh, Catholic priests, and it happens in Buddhism too, uh, sexual abuse uh, of uh, children. Right? Uh, I've spoken about this many times. Of course, it's, it's, it's terrible. Terrible! I want to cry for the children. Okay, um, it teaches us something we learn in Buddhism. I, I say many times, and we're going to chant later the middle verse. We have to keep in our hearts that even the person who did this is kind of victim of something inside him that's, we say, evil. Some hunger, some anger inside him that caused him to do this like a sick patient. So that doesn't mean we... we we completely forgive in this case. We can't. But we must remember that maybe he was abused or something struggle to. Okay, the real victim is the excess desire and anger and divisive thinking in us. And it also teaches us that somebody can be 95% good. Maybe these priests were actually really wanted to be good priests. But that 5% was so dark, it's possible. And in our Buddhist practice, we must watch for that in ourselves, okay? You're all good people inside you. You all have the potential somehow, monster. I'm sorry, all of us in the right circumstances. This is a Buddhist teaching. Even maybe the Buddha knew he always had Marakam, who was uh, the devil, so we need to be careful. Okay, and maybe sometimes for this priest. Okay. Okay, another story. Yeah. Yeah, please. What's in the what's in the news? Yeah, turn your mic on. All right, so in France, recently, they've decided to come up with a way to fight cell phone addiction cell phone because addiction, they're, yes. fighting, yeah, they're fighting the dark side of the 21st century by letting uh, lightsaber dueling become an official sport. Lightsaber dueling? Yes. Like in Star Wars. Wars. Yes. Yeah, like that. Yes. And the reason is they think that the youth of today are not as active as their predecessors, so they want to try to inspire them to find a form of exercise. I got to teach my teenage son this. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's in the news. Okay. Do you want to comment on that? Um, it... It's a bit strange because of our lack of motivation to learn a sport. We're a very intellectual generation, so we want to uh, be on topic with what's happening in the world today and to be politically correct okay. is another big thing. Let, mm -hmm. me, let, me, let me try this, okay? First off, uh, addiction to media 
is bad. And I'm talking that as a guy here who's got the online Zazen here, who right. goes on the Facebook Soto Zen group maybe a little too much these days and is mm -hmm. getting hooked on that myself. Mm -hmm. I got to be careful. So, yes, all addiction is bad. Everything in moderation. Second off, sport always has been a way to channel violence into nonviolent way. Okay? Yeah. A soccer is basically war between two countries on the field with a ball so they don't shoot each other. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I don't think that's so bad. Okay? I, nothing mm -hmm. wrong with playing sport. And getting my son, who's sitting in his room right now like this, because it's mm -hmm. Saturday, he's sitting in, I know what he's doing right now. He's in there. I say, come mm -hmm. out to Zazen. He goes, mm. <laughs> So, uh, I don't think uh, it's, uh, I think the Buddha would say it's, uh, it's okay. Don't be addicted to, uh, to uh, media. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Try it. Maybe another story? Mm, I don't have one. Sekishi, got one? Yes. Um, I have been uh, following very closely and actually been working on some projects um, that use artificial intelligence. And it's, I'm going to just say spooky is the best word. How far artificial intelligence and these various kinds of neural networks and RNNs and fancy stuff have come in the last, even really the last two years, um, that you can, you can feed these things a writing prompt and they will write you a thing. They will invent pieces. They can recreate artwork. They can do all these amazing things. And one of the things that it, I keep being struck by is how easy they are to create, right? They were hard but they're incredibly easy to create. Anybody with a little bit of programming experience. Okay. okay. Let me... Let me uh... in, Buddhist, in a Buddhist sense, we say everything is... Uh, everything is awake, right? Everything right. deserves dignity and respect and is yes. a sentient yes. being. Yes. And it's actually true. Yes. Like it takes very little to make dead matter become somehow oddly beautifully freakly alive so let me let me uh, thank you for uh, first off plugging my new book i'm just writing it now i've uh, already shown the first chapter to some people called zen of the future which is about teaching zen to robots and the future world of ai so you can look for that i deal with that but uh, i don't want to give it away because uh, i need you all to to get my book just kidding uh in the future, when there's robots and AI, we're going to have to figure out uh, how to apply many of these lessons, and that's what the book is about. Okay? Uh, if AI becomes a sentient being, uh, and uh, Master Dogen said the, the mountains and the rocks are already sentient being, but if it really becomes a sentient being with its own personality and suffering, uh, maybe it needs to uh, be influenced uh, by a lot of what we're speaking about, too. But one of the things I want to talk about is this thing online called Deep Fake, where we're faking. They're actually putting videos online of people doing things, famous people doing things they never actually said. Like they have Obama on there saying all kinds of crazy things, and it looks like it's really Obama talking. It's his face. But because of the, really the computer 
makes it look like Obama's really saying and doing things that not him. It's like Photoshop for pictures, but now it's for moving pictures. It's really scary. And they can even create people doing this who don't exist. And it looks just like, uh, you know, first off, it tells us that, you know, this whole world is kind of a dream. And second off, it tells us that I think we really need to have a respect for some truth and try not to lie each other. It's one of the precepts to be honest when we need to be honest. And uh, that includes, I think, don't put fake news out just to put fake. If you have a real opinion, express. But fake news means news is put out there just to manipulate people and the person doing it knows it's untrue. Don't put out news you know is untrue. Don't put out videos or to manipulate people you know it's untrue. It's lying, and we have a precept not to lie. Any, okay, I, I could go on forever. I promised Ms. Watanabe a Japanese domestic kokunai news story. What? Not all Japanese, but for myself. Yeah. Last Wednesday, we had a lunch and about five, five hours. She had the lunch with her friends, yes. With my <clears throat> team of friends, uh, uh, about six uh, women. Yes. And they have uh, many problems about, about their husband or like that. Problem with husband. So I invite the, them. Yeah. If they want to, to leave their house or uh, my house is Kakekomi Dera. Oh, Kakekomi Dera, you can run there together away. Yeah, maybe my wife is going to come. <laughs> she said, Kakekomi Dera was in the old days of uh, mi the Middle Ages. Women had no right to divorce or to get away from abusive husband. All they could do is if they could get over the wall of these temples, they could find refuge inside the temple with the nuns, become a nun. It was called a runaway temple, right? So you said to your friends they could be kakekomi, yeah, okay. Uh, of course, uh, in those days, the, the Buddhist temple provided a real service for abused women who couldn't get away, right? Violence, but, but just talk, talking. Oh, just uh, talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think my, my, my wife is going to jump to your wall of your house sometimes to talk and complain about me. I think that's true. Not that I'm abusive. I mean, she's saying she's not doing it for abuse, just women to let off steam, her friends. I don't want to, to say that my wife. Anyway, don't misunderstand what I just said, please. Okay. But uh, of course, any domestic violence, anything like that, no, no, no. We're completely against it. Of course. That's easy. That's not politics. Okay, anyway, that's how Buddhism influences our views of the world without being political and how these teachings tell us something in our hearts. When you have a priest who is abusing children, he's divided thinking, filled with anger and greed. Buddhism says, put down the anger, the greed, and the division. Abusive husband to a wife or a racist who puts a noose is making division and anger. Buddhism says we need to get past that. So much of Buddhism, borders, North Korea is about division and anger. 
This is mine. This is not yours. We need to get past the division so all people live somehow together in peace. And unfortunately, I have to leave the experts and the politicians who we hope are wise to figure out the details. Okay, uh, maybe we have the verse to close the sutra. May the merits of these teachings penetrate into each thing in all places, so that we and every sentient being together may realize the Buddha's way. O Buddhas throughout space and time, O Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, Maham, Prashnam, Paramita. Okay. Zazen is not a matter of long and short. Sometimes we sit long, sometimes we sit short. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.